and welcome back everybody to top shelf straight shooter episode opscript edition i'm very excited to kind of open our horizons here and share everything that we have i'm here with my man clinton ldia let it loose let it oh, loose clinton <laughs> L diablo latane you know i was Excited to say everything in between. No in between. No in between today. Well, there's yes, no in between. Like We're full skirts. throttle, all led. We're plowing forward. Today we're talking about office relationships, the do's and don'ts, after work engagements, and then our cocktail du jour, the Irish maid. Exciting. I, well, I think it's really exciting, but what are we uh, opening up with? Well, hey, this is a cool one for us and very current event news. Or the little clicking of the typewriter. Spy balloons. Secret Agent Man. Secret Agent Man. They've given you a number and taken away your Johnny Rivers. Uh, yeah, that's right. So these spy balloons is a huge um, news story. The media is covering it feverishly. I'm not 100% sure why. And I want to talk about it a little bit. So these spy balloons, size of three buses. So when when I saw them get shot down, I was like, oh, it's kind of like a, a balloon on a tether. Clint reminds me that these balloons were at 60,000 feet, so above like where the planes fly, so near the uh, low Earth orbit satellite range. Like that's 60 miles in the air. Yeah. Right? So, and we're shooting these balloons down. Now, what I don't understand is, and, and maybe you can help me, Clint, because you're way smarter than I am, uh, you know. Way tongue and tongue, way smarter. Tongue in cheek. Why didn't we just like hook a tether to these? They're balloons. Why don't we hook a tether to them and just drag them down? And then God, we can God. get all the information from these balloons, like where they were made, their origin story, you know, Hitachi, whatever, and get the information from them. Why do we blow them up? Like I. Do, do you, Did you say Hitachi? What's yeah, Hitachi. What do you think? I just threw out names. A whatever. Japanese but, uh, manufacturer of DVD players? It was, you know, <laughs> machinery, equipment. It could be anything. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, no. why are, right. we, are we blowing them up? What happens if they were full of like fuels or hey, poisonous gas? If we can fuel a fighter jet at 40,000 feet with a, you know, a commercial airline size jet, like how can, you're right, how can you not just attach a hook and drag this thing yeah. down. I'm not too sure. I know there was a lot of, um, without getting political, but there's a lot of Republicans, NRA people down in the U.S. that were talking about shooting this balloon down with their guns. Um, if so tell knows, us tell us how far a gun you can shoot. So well, look, if we're going to shoot down the balloon at 60,000 feet, how far can a NRA rifle get? Well, look, if you're shooting like a nine millimeter handgun, mm -hmm. you're yep. you're going like one point three miles is what I see online. So a sixtieth of the way. That's it, yeah. And a maximum range high powered rifle, you're looking at approximately eight miles. Eight miles. So uh, that's but still that's, fifty two more to go. 
Well, exactly. So these people are going to shoot a bullet straight in the air, you know, add in the curvature of the earth, it's going to land on somebody else is what's going to happen. So don't shoot the balloons. Yeah, yeah don't sh don't aim at the balloons. Let's, let's, let's try to understand why they're there. And, and they were the size of apparently six or sorry, three buses in, in size. So that's a significant piece of equipment in the air. And there's no way it's, it's a public weather balloon that uh, like normal households are creating. So this is a, a created balloon and by some kind of scientists or some kind of organization. It's not a couple households building. Yeah, and this. it's that level of atmosphere where they're they're obviously testing something, um, but it's no. They're not giving any more information, as you've heard on the news, than what a low orbit satellite would get. And so why, like why? And supposedly there's been tons of these. There's been, there was three during Trump's administration. This is the first one of Biden, and now they just have a second one that came in over Alaska. That went into the Yukon that Trudeau shot down with a Canadian uh, military, um, which is great. But you're right. Like, why not tow these things to the ground? Like, what if they do have some sort of bioweapon in them or, or some sort of virus? It takes a few drops to wipe out an entire civilization. So, like, why are we just shooting these things down? I have no idea. Yeah. Why not just collect them and not have the full damage? Are we showing how awesome we are because we're launching missiles and... But there has to be ramifications. You have no idea where all those particles will land. I mean, yeah. maybe they'll burn up an atmosphere. I don't know the whole, you know, conjecture and height of of where you where things burn up. But why not? Why not recover it? Why don't we do a recovery reconnaissance mission as opposed to a let's, let's blow it up and destroy it a mission? Well, yeah, and that's it. So even if they just shot the balloon, so you said like. The actual infrastructure of this device that's floating in the air is the size of three buses, but the balloon itself is 200 feet high. Like, it's a humongous balloon. Yeah. Um, so the circumference of this thing is massive. You shoot it out of the air 60,000 feet, it all comes crashing down, which is a health risk as well. I mean, you think about, like, it could land on a community or lands in the middle of a farm. Well, we assume. We assume the U.S. military yeah. track it, and then, like, okay, now it's safe to blow it up. You're right, right. You're right. I get yeah, the trajectory yeah. and everything. It just doesn't make sense to me when you could just bring it down without having to destroy it. And I think you get more information from it. And 100%. It would, it would be well, a it's little bit less. Intact, yeah, absolutely. Like a little bit less. Couldn't you just let a little bit of air, a little bit of the helium or a little bit of the gas out, slowly lower it, lower, lower, and then you land it safely and then you collect the information and return to sender? What I found was interesting is that um, China did take ownership of it. They're like, it's our balloons, like, but it was done at a more of a civilian level. It wasn't the government that sent so it. So civilians but, created. But it could have been a university or a weather station ah. or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what I found was interesting is, um, like I said earlier, is this isn't the first time. Like this is, I thought it was the first balloon that had ever floated over mm -hmm. from Asia. But no, mm -hmm. supposedly there's been... You know a dozen of these things yeah. so interesting that we're finding out about it now i'm not too sure if that was just like a political ploy to really ramp up like some anti-biden stuff that's going yeah, on in the states there's an election coming election coming yeah but how come we didn't hear anything in the news of the last four or five that came over and yeah. even if you read trudeau's tweet you know it's a lot of i like i i commissioned the order to shoot down this balloon as opposed to we the liberal party decided to make sure that we protected all Canadians and we shot them. And once again, recovery. Yeah. Recovery and reconnaissance versus destruction. I, I, 
I thought Canadians we would be above that, but this isn't. I, I'm I'm not fully aligned with it, and I don't even know if you would be able to see it. I don't know what what do we see. I never. I mean, I don't look you can, up. Yeah, you can see it. It's from, like a yeah, but it's like a white like balloon. a dot in the yeah. yeah. Exactly. That was the thing. A lot of Americans were were recording it. It's all over social media. So so let's put a pin in it, no pun intended, and move our way. <laughs> yes. Yes. I thought this was straight shooter. Straight. Uh, oh, no we, fucking pun intended. We pinned it. Uh, we're gonna move our way into office relationships. Yes. And how do we keep it professional? Right. How do we? How do? The taboo. The taboo behind yeah. it. So let me let me keep it top shelf, PG rated. Let's check with the company see company policies around relationships. You know, there's he there's human relations people, and I was always very close with them because I want to know the ins and outs of how the organization uh, functions. So does the company have policy on whether or not uh, it's allowed to have relationships within the organization? Um, is the relationship a good idea? Right? That There's that line of if you work in the same division or you work outside of the division, is it a good idea to have that relationship? Because yeah, you're... Right. you're your mindset and your mind frame, especially in the early stages of relationships, is focused on the relationship. Are you focused on work? Or are you in that early phase of the love? And So I imagine that a business would have, any proper business would have some sort of stipulation on like public display of affection. So yep. no, yep, no kissing and no yep. appropriate, inappropriate touching, that type of stuff. Um, but that most managers and you're looking at like from like um not just human resources but like a um what's what's the word i'm looking for again i'm drawing a blank here but like um people have rights right they have a yeah. right to love where yeah, they yeah. want to love right. and so like i think if you're transparent about it so if i came to you as my boss and i said hey jay just so you know that me and Teresa, it's a fake person but Teresa and i we decided to that we're going to start dating one another i think that the business wouldn't have a problem with it and you would be okay and, and especially appreciative of me coming to you and, and being transparent about it as long as it didn't interfere with my artwork. Or effect, yeah. Or effect, yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But here's the problem when it's the, the new relationship and everything's you know going well and then it doesn't and then you have those relationship issues and problems and then it, to well, be honest, a relationship they, can affect you mentally for quite easily quite, quite easily but then that's where it you can draw that line and say hey clint this is now affecting the way that you're working mm -hmm. there is a problem here you're not showing up on time you're not showing up the way you used to i, I told you that if you're gonna have a relationship with Teresa, that it cannot affect your output of how you come and perform at work yeah. And your now I see it. Yeah. Your your production's down. You're you're acting depressed. Everything else. Yeah. You and her have some tension. It's actually affecting our, our our other employees. But to say that you can't do it carte blanche is to me, it's happening no matter what. It's mm -hmm. happening. You know it's happening. Right? I would I would say that you want to avoid dating someone at a higher level because now you bring in a different level of of issue, right? Where you have someone with senior level over a group of people yeah and then dating that person at a senior level how do you as a senior person 
make sure it's fair and equitable for everybody. You're not treating you're not treating that individual with favoritism. You're dating them. But wouldn't it be the same if, if you had a relative working with you or let's say your best friend was working with you? I mean, you'd have to take... But most companies allow that, right? Yeah, well, most companies sure. allow it, but they, they move them into separate areas or regions and and have them managed by Do different they? managers. Yeah, I can't imagine, you know, a, a husband and his sons working for him in a large corporation, a small mom and pop organization. It happens. No problem. You're right. But a large corporation, you can't have a, a father and son. There's a but conflict you, of interest for sure. But if... If I fell in love with my boss, which happens, it's happened probably many, many times before. Um, I'm not too sure if my boss's boss is going to make sure that we don't work together anymore. You know what I mean? Especially if we're producing. What if we're a great team and we're actually killing it and we're making our numbers and we're selling and we're just the, we're the face of the business. You know, strategically, is that the right thing to do just because we're dating one another? If we don't bring that in to the workplace... You know, if you don't bring our friendship into the workplace on another example, it's like, why, why divide that up? Especially if it's a recipe that's working. Right? Yeah. You're, you're talking about Mr. And Mrs. Smith. This is, you know, where you're Brad Pitt and, and the other individual, Teresa is Angelina Jolie. No, I'm Angelina Jolie and, uh, and Brad Pitt. she's okay. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Be- because that worked Yeah, just for the movie. And then I think they actually... Killed each, other. Div- div- no, killed each other. In real life. No, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. in real life. No, no, in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean. Hey, honestly, probably it doesn't work more than it does work. I would think maybe. Yeah, I think it's, 50, 50. I think it's risky. Yeah, I think it is risky. It, it, it puts you in a difficult position at work. It puts you in a difficult light in the view of your coworkers. Well, that's right. Yeah. And, and everybody and knows. Then you're making that, you're doing that dance. Every, when people are dating in the workplace, everybody knows. But if you nip it in the butt early as a leader and you set clear expectations with those individuals. And you keep it professional. You keep yeah. it professional yeah. and you hold them to, to, uh, to account. Yeah. I think it's going to work fine. As soon as they sway, you got to, like you said, maybe divide them up or do whatever you need to do. Yeah, separate divisions. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Displace and move and, and make sure it's not a, an issue or a problem. Totally. Yeah. And no sex in the copy room. In the copy. Yeah. You, I would say probably most likely no sex in the workplace period because that's just. What about elevator? A hard no. Elevator sounds No, like that's not. Pretty, still Have you not. ever had sex in an elevator? Uh, no, I think Steven Tyler talked about it, oh, but I don't yeah. actually think that anything hey, happened. This is strange. Love in an episode. elevator. Where's Love the it. coolest place you ever had sex? Love in an elevator. Um, no. I, what? Where's, what? The, where's the coolest? craziest place you've ever had sex? In a circus. Really? No. Well, it's well, crazy. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> no, it's a straight shooter episode. No. Off script uh, in a circus. Off, let's uh, do it. No, but I mean, you're talking about the On craziest side of a mountain. Most side of a mountain. How do you do that? In your parents' bed. My like, parents. That's gross. That's that not even. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Very gross. No, no. I, I would say the craziest place that you. Uh, um, you know, maybe uh, uh, the family swimming pool during the day. Whoa, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that's that that so disgusting. <laughs> that was chlorine. Yeah, there's chlorine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, would, I would challenge you, but I don't want to hear it because it's probably even worse. It's way worse. Yeah. Absolutely. In a yes. hunting shelter somewhere. <laughs>
I got a, I've got a top ten list. Actually. Top ten. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're one notch down. Okay. All right. So we're gonna go to after work do's and don'ts. We talked about relationships in the in the office place, but we're gonna talk about after work. So these are the do's and don'ts. Getting together with our coworkers. You know, when do we know how to draw the line? How close is too close, and how far is too far? Yeah, good one. Yeah, yeah it, it, um, and I've been part of the executive level teams where we're a lot happens after hours. Like a lot of agreements, a lot of negotiations, a lot of relationships happen after hours. We're having cocktails. We're in different restaurants. We're in different um, bars, and there's significant levels of alcohol being consumed. How do you de- how do you decide when enough is enough, and how do you decide when close is too close? Yeah, yeah. like have, have you skated that line where you're like, whoa, whoa, this is, you know, I'm I'm an in- a committed individual to someone else. I I need to to separate this. This is, I need to keep it professional. Yeah, so I've I've never been at that level, obviously, but from a middle management perspective, I mean, things happen there as well. You're dealing with customers and clients and and sales folks and business development agents from different, you know, industries. And um, a lot of people come knocking, right? And a lot of times um, their first move is to take you out for drinks or take you out for dinner. They wine and dine. dine. We're going to Canuck game or whatever. And it's like, okay, sure. I think you have to, it's kind of like going on a date for the first time, right? You have to be composed. You have to make sure that you stay true to yourself. It's easy to let loose and to really let go. But if you do, you have to know there's consequences to that. You're going to overcommit and possibly under deliver on, on certain promises. And that there's huge repercussions for that. Mm-hmm. Massive. Yeah. When you push it too far and have too many cocktails and then you bring that individual back to a campsite or trailer. I mean, things can go bad. Well, camps, what kind of executive retreat are we talking about here? <laughs> Tell yeah, us what happened. Yeah, this, this falls into my last question. Yeah. Where's the craziest place you had sex? <laughs> no, this, I mean, things happen, right? And um, one drink leads to another. You know, a hockey game leads to some other issues. And how do you keep it? How do you focus and keep it to a limit? It's like, do you... you for myself, you you establish, you know, your goals for the evening. I'm gonna have a couple of drinks and have a good time, but at the same time, I'm not gonna cross this threshold, this limit, and I'm gonna stay within those those boundaries and confines. But we all know that a couple of drinks and then you know one more, I'm fine. One more, I'm not fine. And then working with different business people, things can get out of hand quickly. So. How do we define within ourselves enough's enough? And I've seen it where enough is too far. People have taken far too far. Yeah, you really need to understand your own limitations. You have to create an action plan. I know it sounds but what about cliche, but well, for sure. Yeah, how do you and how do you stop them and protect them? I've always had that issue or that problem where, okay, I know when to stop, but clearly this individual doesn't know when to stop, and you're the one on with the tab. And you're continually purchasing. I think it. I think the idea that it's not okay to say no is the wrong idea, because it's not okay to say no when it's when um, it means that you could potentially close a deal. 
But it is okay to say no when you think that it's getting to a point where it's unsafe for the individual or that, that you know that they're not speaking truthfully to you or that they're intoxicated. I mean, you need to understand your own limitations, make sure you're not inebriated. And maybe there's a point in time in the night where you say, hey, I think we passed the point now where we both had a little bit too much to drink. Let's stop talking about business and let's just enjoy the event mm -hmm. or let's enjoy yeah. the evening. Because nothing's really getting done after 2 a.m., right? Like, well, there used to be like an old 80s song about, or like a, I don't know, a saying that said, nothing good happens after 2 a.m., right? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the same thing with business. Like, if you're out that late, and instead of two bottles of wine, you've had three, like maybe don't try to pen a new deal with that individual because it's not going to happen anyways, let's right. be honest, right? right? So, but you're right. It's a tough, tough water to navigate. Because some decisions are made under intoxication and I, I, I've never looked into research behind whether or not legal can take a stand and say, hey, you're not allowed to have that agreement because you are intoxicated. I know what a significant amount of... Um, contracts have been signed and, and negotiations have been completed under under well, intoxication yeah. so were they inebriated or were they were they socially drinking these yeah. two different things ah, yeah, right? exactly and right. so and then if you're going to favorite like, but favoritism kicks in there was and, the contract drawn up before they got drunk or was it brought to the event and then they got drunk and they signed it so like there's a few things to think about right there's a lot of variables i think if you're just going to get hammer drunk and then try to type out a contract while you're hammer drunk and then have somebody sign it, obviously that's bad. yeah legal legal will not accept that. Yeah, totally. right? It'll be yeah. under under review. So commitments can't be made without absolutely yes. Yeah. And you know there's non-disclosure agreements and there's all these other things that come into play, right? So I think you just have to make sure you dot your I's, cross your T's before you do these things. Understand your limitations and don't make, don't overcommit because you're gonna you're definitely gonna underdeliver when you're intoxicated. I yeah. mean that's not a good idea. So yeah, you make mistakes and you can lose the respect of the individuals. And you put yourself in significant risk. So, well, like I agreed to do this podcast after you got me drunk on tequila. So, uh, no, and we I'm didn't still have tequila. It. No, no, it that's a lie. That's a bold faced lie. That was bourbon, and tequila has not been in, in ingested this episode. Well, not this episode. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, I, like, I mean, you, like before, like before episode one. This episode like, one. You made me sign up to this deal. I, I'm on, on ten. Star I'm on a ten podcast. Contract. contract? <laughs> we're at we're at nine, so we're at nine. So we have one more. Is it one more? Well, then we got to find. And we got to renegotiate. I'll post. I'll have the the dog sit in your chair and probably have more, um, in you know engagement. Um, he is quite cute. Oh, yeah. um, so we're going to hit you guys up with now with the Irish maid. Woo. I've prepared uh, some of the in some of the products to be muddled. Clint's going to walk you through and give you an origin story behind the Irish made. I'm excited to have this drink. Never had it before in my life. Uh, it looks fantastic. I don't think we properly introduced. I know. I don't think at the beginning of the show, we talked about having the Irish made. So no, that, I think I mentioned the it. Co the feature cocktails. Yeah, the Irish feature, made. Yeah. Okay, Irish, made. Okay. Irish made. Yeah. Right. So uh, Clint's going to hit you with the origin story. I'm going to make it. I've uh, already preempted the lemon juice and cut up the cucumbers, but I'm going to start muddling. And Clint did ask what muddling was in a previous episode, and I, I didn't hear him. I, I probably didn't hear him because I didn't want to hear him. Yeah. But actually, muddling is 
uh, is grinding. I use it grinding the materials, and it's going to be uh, cucumber with the lemon juice together. So it kind of provides a blend, and a, and the simple syrup. So it kind of fuses the flavors together. Yeah, and you're using a muddler, which would, which to me would be like the equivalent of like a piece of a stick of some sort. And you're using that like a blunt object to kind of get in. Jason's looks a little bit like a diller, uh, which means, uh, which is code for dildo. Um, so the Irish maid is similar to whiskey smash. So if anybody knows what a whiskey smash is, then uh, we're, we're talking the same language here. It calls for muddling lemon wedges in a shaker before combining the remaining ingredients, which is your whiskey, bourbon, in our case, uh, a little bit of simple syrup and mint. Um, you're also going to muddle some cucumber slices, and it comes with a fresh garnish of cucumber on top. Uh, we're also going to add a little bit of Saint Germain elderflower liqueur. And uh, that gets added in uh, during the muddling, and then we pour that over ice, or strain it over ice, as they say here, uh, into a rocks glass. And our friend Jason Krause here, very excited about the Irish Maid. This Irish Maid is actually a sibling to what's called the Kentucky Maid. Um, so Kentucky Maid, very similar. Uh, except for it uses a little bit of milk and honey in there, but all the other ingredients are exactly the same. And you can imagine, um, Kentucky means, you know, bourbon and that's what we're using today. So, uh, no, um, no, no surprise, sorry, um, as Jason makes a drink here, no surprise that they're related. So, okay, we've got the cucumber going in, we're doing a little bit of muddling. There's the lemon wedges, and okay, muddler. You can hear it. Yes. All right. My glass is ready. Ready and willing. Ready and willing. Okay, so my uh, my spot, Jason, is at the, in a movie theater. Oh, movie theater. Mm-hmm. Oh, like Surrey? Yeah. Well, uh, maybe, maybe in Surrey. I can't remember what it was, actually. Richmond? Poor mine. Yes. You going to the washer? Oh my god. He's, go He's going to the washer. <laughs> and this is a podcast first. Top shelf first. Could not make it through a full 25-minute episode, and he's got to go pee. Kind of like Forrest Gump when he met the president. I believe the boy says he's got to go pee. Okay, I'm going to try the drink. We've got an Irish maid here. Woo! That's something. That's like a whiskey sour uh, with a little bit of cucumber in it. And... Um, no, not as good as the New York Sour, but pretty damn good. All right, on behalf of Jason Krause and uh, Clint Latane, Top Shelf, Season 2, Straight Shooter Episode, we're signing off. Love you guys very much. Have yourself a great evening, and we'll see you on the flip side. And he's back.
You gonna say hi, bye, no? Nope. All right, well, we're out of here.